Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle O'Gara. Marler, you're showing me something on the TV right now that I can't see what it is. It's really late. It's 12.30 after the first round of the NFL draft, but we wanted to get draft takes in because, holy crap, the SEC owns the world. Uh, yeah, once again, every year they do the same thing. Um, well, this wasn't the same thing, though, because it was... It was 15 first-round picks for the SEC. That is a record. Smash the record. The record was 12. The prop bet for bet online was 15 and a half. So they were... I took the over. Oh, I took the under. I took barely barely the under, but knew that they were going to get the record this year. That's fair. It's a good move by you. Yeah, um, like yeah it, was, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I, was, I was surprised I got a few of the picks late. I, what I was trying to show you, by the way, was Terry Bradshaw oh, and gosh. Joe Burrow. A side by side. Oh, <laughs> that is the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's terrible. So, um, yeah, what a crazy like. It was very odd to watch the whole thing the way it was broadcast, but it was it was really good. Do you want me to turn to you right now, like Roger Goodell would, to those fans who I'm convinced they couldn't actually see him because they would have actually been booing. They were just looking at like a blank screen because all of his lines were rehearsed. I mean, that was electric dude. They weren't rehearsed very well either. No, no. Um can't can't forget the Kavan Chasen. Oh, and his he pronunciation said, of Tua was just atrocious. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. He he made the comment about the draft being in the um going back to Vegas next year. Yeah. Good old and Roger. and the comedy made was like he's like, "You know, I know we we said we were going to have it this year, but we didn't." 2020 NFL draft, it's coming. I was like, this, this is that, sir. This the, is exactly the, that. The new decade is upon us, Roger. Breaking yeah. news. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was a fascinating draft for the SEC for a variety of reasons. There actually wasn't drama at the top. I mean, everybody knew Burrow yeah. was going number one, but when the Dolphins picked two at five, I let out a sigh of relief because I was like, I did not want to get irrationally mad at a team that I have zero interest in whatsoever, yeah. but the principle of taking Justin Herbert over to a would have made me mad as a human being. And go, go figure, you know, it turns out all these experts who are falling for all the stupid smoke screens this entire time. Imagine that the dolphins, the team that had, that's been rumored to him for the last year. Ended year. Up picking him <laughs> they had a Crazy. whole hashtag about oh, it. Gosh. Um, yeah, that, I was excited for that. I was, I tell you what, man, as like, you know, just just to speak as a fan for a second, I'm really gonna miss that kid. That was so it, it like, Kristen Saban made some tweet last night and it was like, or something about like how, when you realize all these band players are getting drafted, it's that gif of Saban smiling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then like eight just slowly fades show, yeah. into him. Yeah, and like slowly fades into him just being like like blank stare. That's how I felt on draft night, like watching a few of these guys go, and I knew I would partially because of the fact that like they're gone, but also because they had so much talent. So much talent. Um, Bama had four players taken in the top 15, but LSU, LSU wins the first round draft title with five players taken, ended with my guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. First running back taken in the draft. He's the last pick of the first round. How fitting I thought it was that the first round started with Burrow and ended with Edwards Alaire. In the year of yeah, LSU, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's, I, that was my yeah. single favorite pick of the first round was the last pick was Edwards Alaire to the Chiefs. 
in that system, getting to play with Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid's system is going to maximize his ability so much. Yeah. I have no interest whatsoever in the Chiefs, but I'm like, I'm already kind of thinking about getting a Clyde Edwards-Alaire Chiefs jersey for no reason. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's a good move, I think. Um, I, I don't know. This one was weird for me because it was like, when you first started saying that, it was like, there was my favorite part. There's no better there's no better way to start and end the first round than this. And I was like, don't like that. <laughs> nope. Um, I was honestly shocked. I was shocked that it wasn't... Uh, that it wasn't DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift did not get picked in the first round. A lot of guys like Swift that I, I thought were very much locks to come off the board in the yeah. first round. Christian Fulton, Xavier McKinney. I thought those three guys were definitely going to get picked in the first round. And Grant Delpit, I know he's a little bit more borderline. But in terms of the guys who, uh, you know, you just kind of thought throughout this process that those guys were going to have the best chance to get picked in the first round, and they did not. And that's... You know, that's kind of the nature of the beast of the draft. You think you have everything figured out, and then, you know, guys have different sort of evaluations at the end. Yeah, and yeah too bad for somebody like Fulton, too. I didn't really get that. I didn't really get – I don't I understand why Fulton kept kept slipping, and there were corners – so many – there was, what, like four corners taken ahead of him or something like the that? The Falcons took the corner from Clemson, and I about lost my mind. AJ like, Terrell, yeah. There were rumors that they were going to trade up to, like, top ten for, for C.J. Henderson, and I'm very glad they didn't do that. Even though he's he's phenomenal, but yeah, it just I was really surprised by that. Like Christian Fulton not going, with we we talked about this the other day about how Pro Football Focus has just very intricate numbers. I'll say, as you know from the twelve hundred page draft guide that you went through. <sighs> oh God, yeah, my entire computer is falling apart ever since I downloaded that. <laughs> um, but but the fact that like the the stats they came out with about him were pretty black and white. Like he's basically just dominating everyone has for two years has been, like, gone up against the best competition in the country, doesn't get drafted. I was, I was really surprised by that. Um, Xavier McKinney, not very surprised by that. The kid from Auburn, that was that's a cool story. Good old Noah I. Yeah, going from receiver yeah. to, going from a freshman receiver to a first-round cornerback who left, left Auburn early and was picked at the end of the first round. I wasn't necessarily crazy about that pick going to the Dolphins because I, I, I assumed the Dolphins were going to go after DeAndre oh, Swift. Yeah, yeah would have made would have made sense there, but um, I like though that we didn't have that those moments in in the first few picks where we're like, all right, that's just that's ridiculous. That absolutely shouldn't happen. The thing that that stood out though, the first moment where I was like, oh, okay, that that happened. Um, Henry Ruggs, first receiver off the board. So I was gonna say Alaire was probably the biggest surprise, right? But it's probably Ruggs. It was probably rugs. I, I did not see that coming at all. I, I so we're talking about the prop bets at some point, but I definitely I, I lost because of Noah I, and the pick about Georgia having more players than Auburn, um, and I just I I thought the the order of receivers it was going to go was going to be Lamb, Judy, and Rugs or Judy, uh, Lamb, Rugs. I didn't see that coming at all. I was I was surprised that that somebody would. I, and I understand it's the Raiders, and they love their speed, yeah. and they take <laughs> Darius Hayward Bay just because he runs a really good forty. And I get that people are going to say, "Well, that makes a lot of sense there." But man, if I'm if I'm trying to get like my my stud wide receiver, I think Judy is more of that guy. I thought Judy was yeah. the best receiver in the draft. I think he just does everything. And instead, Judy ends up going to going to the Broncos, and what could be a really great situation for him, getting to play with yeah. Drew Locke. You get to play alongside Cortland Sutton. Um, thought that that was just 
very surprising though to see the way that 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 all played out and then Justin Jefferson is the fifth receiver off the board, which, yeah. goodness gracious, like watching the TCU kid get picked ahead of him. I think there are a lot of people, that's when you started to see the comments of like, all right, what's what's going on? And then the awkward dynamic, too, on my Twitter feed that I saw, I don't know if you saw this too, but Saints fans just like sitting there, fingers crossed, like hopefully Justin Jefferson's going to fall to 24. Oh, and they had Patrick Queen. They, like he's just sitting there. And, and you saw a few mocks like that came out like the past couple of days. They're like, they need an inside linebacker. This is a perfect fit. And they get a center. They get Cesar Ruiz from IMG, actually. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about him because I don't know him. Um, I don't know any of their needs. I will say it was hard for me to be upset about that pick because ESPN did a really good job all night of like showing you this really cool moment of a kid's childhood dreams all coming to fruition and then telling you the most horrific story ever about the Right? Life. Good God. Like Jordan Love with like his dad, like with the suicide stuff, you're just, oh, oh, okay. Well, and this kid that went to the Saints, it was uh, his dad like helped somebody try to change a tire on the side of the road, and then he got hit by a... It's like, okay, I guess we're, yeah. we're, we're all just kind of in that mode. Thanks, thanks Here we are. Again for that. <laughs> Uh, Henry Ruggs with the rope too. That, oh, was, that was that was clutch. That's that's a boss move. It was it was a sponsored deal with with Old yeah. Spice. We found out, but in the history of the NFL draft, when you have an opportunity to wear a robe, I think you do it. Yeah, right. Not a doubt. I mean, not a doubt. Um, Michael Irvin did say he's sending a message because he's right at home when it comes to. Such and such. And I was like, I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's just getting paid to put on that robe right now. Yeah, he's definitely getting paid. I mean, don't get me wrong. It stood out. But that was clearly um, he was getting paid. How about also uh, Javon Kinlaw's dad falling down? Did you see that? That was a great reaction. I did not see that. Great reaction. It was, they they did a shot of um, like, I think it it looked like they were watching it in, you know, the basement or something like that. And nobody is sitting on this couch except what I think they said this. I don't want to say this definitively, but what I'm pretty sure was Javon Kinlaw's dad. And he's on the couch by himself. And he just like falls over with the announcement, like out of shock. It was a great moment. Yeah, 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 I think I think that's what it was. But it was weird seeing people's homes. Right? Like it was it was like I tell you what, like Cliff like Cliff Kingsbury or Kingsbury. Oh my gosh. I mean like just that guy is just the best, first off. But they had the side by side. I think we tweeted out of him and the guy, the head coach from the the Bengals, who's like had a, like a Enterprise Taylor. car. Yeah. Oh my god, just yeah, like seeing like in like the inside of people's homes was very odd during these moments. But it was it was you know it made it unique and charming. I guess I'll say that. It was. I did not see him fall over though. It was a weird draft. All in all, I mean, it was one of those things that we watched it and we're trying to. Trying to figure out what, like, is the some of the stuff that would happen with the feeds breaking up or something like that. I actually thought that they they troubleshot pretty well, and there weren't mm-hmm. too many of those awkward moments. I was expecting it to be even weirder. Didn't really miss the live fans. I might be alone in that. No. I don't need the live fans at the draft. I'm not that guy. I don't need Jets was, fans booing after after their pick, and I don't need. Well, that. they should. I mean, again, they messed up their pick, but. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It was cool to see Nashville last year. Isn't it? Isn't it wild to look back on those pictures from a year ago and think what a different place that we were at with public gatherings and all those different things? Yeah. To go from that scene to what this year's was, 
to empty like Las Vegas, I've never, I mean, like the streets were empty. They're, they're showing like Caesars and whatever else. And it was like, there's nothing. There's just nothing. Did so. you have any thoughts about Ohio State and how Ohio State had the first three picks of the NFL draft in case you didn't hear because Joe Burrow uh, went to Ohio State and was the backup quarterback I, there? I got real tired with like, I like ESPN fine. I don't have like any qualms against them uh, or with them. And like, I know a lot of people like will say they get like too political or they, they, they veer away from sports too much. I thought they did tonight. I, I just didn't understand why there was a, like a need to constantly go to like the, like the negative stuff from someone's life or like the, like they brought up to his injuries immediately. Then they brought up like, and they listed them out. They had a graphic for it. Um, then they had like, just, I mean, horrific stories. Horrific stories, like, right off the bat. They were definitely going like, for that angle, for sure. It was compelling in a lot of ways, but it's also like, dude, this is this kid's moment. Like, he overcame all that. It's yeah. terrible. I, I, I thought they could have picked their spots a little bit better with that. I, I liked, I thought the opener with Peyton narrating it was cool. Really, really yeah. cool. Well done. Cool. Kind of set the stage for the night. And then they kept going a few minutes after that, and you're like, all right, it's 8.08, and they haven't even said a thing about the draft yet. No, it's um, commercial. Yeah, they went to commercial. It's like, let's get this thing on the road. All right. Yeah, for real, man. Um, yeah, and they came back, and like, I, I was happy that it, it didn't seem to take as long as it usually does, even though it still apparently definitely did. did. Yeah. Um, and it was it was funny watching some of like because the NFL is so that's such a just a well oiled machine to see them have kind of like chinks in the armor in terms of like a production standpoint of what was going on. It's still impressive that they they were able to pull it off. It was. It absolutely but, was. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about our friends at Bet Online, and then maybe hit on some prop bet stuff? Oh man, guys, make sure you uh, still head on to Bet Online because you, there's plenty of bets still being made for this NFL draft. Uh, Jalen Hurts going in the second round. What uh, is the next defensive lineman? Next receiver? I'm trying to pull it up right now. Next running back. Um, you can make all these prop bets. Now, if you did not go to BetOnline.ag, like I told you to the other day, what did we say about the best bet of the draft, Connor? The cat bet. Said we said it on on the podcast. Me and Tyler said it on the uh, in the video that we we put out on social media. Said the cat bet is the best bet in the draft. Over a half a cat is what I told you to take it at. Then it became a full cat. Okay, still told you to take it. And we even said in the video for Bet Online that Tristan Wirfs was going to be the guy because he sound. He, I said he sounds like the name of a cat. Okay. He had, he had not one but two. He had not one but two cats. Wait, he did? He's the one that broke it, yeah. I yeah. didn't even see that. Oh, Dude, my gosh. I said, I said on the video, I said, I said Tristan Wirfs sounds like the name of, like, a cat you would see, like, you would see at, like, a New York City, like, coffee shop or bodega. Tristan Wirfs. Like, wearing a scarf or something. He had not one but two cats. <laughs> well, you know what? I think he makes up for it in the masculinity department because he apparently power cleans the world. Okay, I thought you were going to say that he jumped out of a pool. Like, out of a pool. Yeah, he also had one of the best combines ever for a 300-plus guy. 300-plus pound guy. out of a pool like that, though? Yeah, he's a, he is a, a freak of nature. But, so. prop bets, did you make out okay tonight? Yeah, we did all right. Um, Tyler was on fire. He, he hit every single, bun, every single bet he made. I did Jeez. not. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I missed the Georgia one. I missed the Bama one. Bama had under 6.5, like I said. Uh, there were more offensive players taken than defensive players, like I said. But um, Georgia having more first-round picks over Auburn did not hit that. Mm. So, there you go. SEC is going to break its own draft record, isn't it? 
They're going to break the record for... They're, they're definitely hitting north of 64. Dude, 15? That is that is insane. <laughs> 15. If you think about, like, honestly, like we're not just trying to be, like, homers here, but, like, 15 out of 32, that's almost half the first round. They set a record for the, the most ever from one conference in, a top, in the top 10, the most ever from one conference in the top 20, which is, I mean... And they said it when it was our, was when it was after pick fourteen. They're like, oh, yeah. they have they have eight eight of the first fourteen. It's like, well, we eight of the first twenty is the record. So they still right. have six picks left to be able to do that. Yeah, it was insane. It, and do you think about how much talent there's still on the board? A lot. From, I mean, goodness, man. It's it's oh, tomorrow should be fun, man. Tomorrow slash today because people will be listening to it. Uh, on Friday should be a fun weekend enjoy live sports um, please seriously kind of well it, it kind of is it's the closest thing that we're going to get appreciate it I, I try to just savor every moment of the draft as humanly possible yeah. so we sort of buried the lead here We've got Mark Stoops on we interviewed oh, Mark yeah. Stoops the other day um, great great interview with the Kentucky football coach who definitely remembered put your money in this bank I did was great to catch up with him. Had some good insight on, on Terry Wilson and Joey Gatewood as well and how he's handling the quarantine, how his players are doing, all those different things. So um, we're going to first go to the interview with Stoops, and then after after that we have Stump Marler, which, uh, spoiler alert, we did not stump <laughs> you very much at all. No. So we'll have to make it more difficult. So first, here is our interview with Kentucky coach Mark Stoops. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest, a repeat guest, in fact. It is Kentucky coach Mark Stoops. Mark, since the last time we had you on, which was, I think, kind of around this time last year, um, your team put together an eight-win season with Lynn Bowden pretty much taking the sport by storm. Uh, your guy, Bo Pelini, came back to the SEC. And, oh, by the way, a global pandemic happened. Um, it, it feels wrong asking this, but I'm just going to do it anyways. What's new with you? Yeah, just just like most people, just trying to deal with things uh, the best I can. Um, trying to keep a handle, obviously, on, on on my family, first and foremost, making sure everybody's safe and doing the best we can here. And then uh, also taking care of my extended family, which is, which is quite large, you know. So uh, there's quite a few guys in our program and coaches and support staff. So we've been having uh, – a lot of meetings and virtual meetings and Zoom calls and all those things, just trying to keep everybody uh, on the same page and do the best we can. Um, just like every American, we're uh, very inconvenienced by this, but uh, it is what it is, and we're trying to do the very best we can to help. I'm, I'm kind of wondering about the makeup of your team this year and the fact that you guys have so many veterans. I mean, it's something like 15 returning starters. Am I wrong for thinking that you guys are actually in better position to handle something like this? Well, I, th I think you're right. Um, you know, we we definitely know a lot more about our team this year than we did going into the previous year, going into last year. So uh, you're, you're right. We have quite a bit of experience. I feel like we have the best depth we've had uh, since I've been here and, I feel pretty good about our football team, but um, obviously when you're not around them every day and, uh, you know, it's difficult, but, uh, but I do like our team. And I do feel like the work that we've been putting in for years on the leadership front and uh, the guys taking care of their business, um, this is a great 
way for them to, to, to do that, to handle that, to, to, to lead themselves and to make sure they're doing the things necessary to stay in great shape. Coach, I want to talk about something a little more serious, um, especially with everything that's been going on and how tough a time it's been for everyone. I feel like the one ray of light for everyone, especially in the U.S., has been the Netflix documentary Tiger King. Have you seen Tiger King yet? I've watched maybe, I think I saw one episode maybe. I, I want to say uh, <laughs> one or two episodes. I, my wife and... Uh, she was into it, so she caught, she she drugged me into like one one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so follow up question to that I know like we all know that big cats are only like two to three thousand dollars. So can we expect a live mascot this year at Kroger Field? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think we'll be diving into <sighs> the Tiger King. He's out of business, right? So we wouldn't know where to go get one. So we're out in that area. All right, I got a guy, but we can talk about that later. Um, okay. So all jokes aside, Coach, I know the, the mood in this – what is the mood in the state or on campus as a whole? Because, I, I mean, taking away March Madness in the state of Kentucky is like taking away, like, Christmas or, like, getting seconds of Thanksgiving for me. How's, how's the mood in the Bluegrass State? Yeah, it's, it's – um, you know, it's tough. It's very, very quiet. You know, I have uh, obviously quite a few friends – here in the state and many different businesses and industries and um, you know it's tough it's tough on a lot of people there's very few people that this is not affecting um, but so it's very quiet right now and uh, I think our governor's done a fantastic job and and um, you know things are about in as as good a control as there can be under the circumstances so uh, we're just trying to deal with it. I think most people are adhering to the rules that we have set, and hopefully we'll get this thing uh, behind us here soon, uh, just like just like most. We're just sitting here waiting for it, but uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll put it behind us here in the near future. Last year when we had you on, we asked you what you would do if you couldn't coach football, and the answer that you gave us was that you would essentially open a bank with Bo Pelini and your tagline would be, put your money in this bank. Um, we've quoted that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've quoted that a lot, um, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, now that, that sports are on hold and everyone else is getting these you know, $1,200 stimulus checks and stuff like that, I, I think we're getting closer to this reality actually happening how should we spend our stimulus checks and just tell us that we should put our money in your bank? Well, there's no question. I mean, Bo and I, we're working on it. And uh, <laughs> when that happens, when we get things put together, we're going to call you and you're going to put your money in this bank. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't get old. It's, it's, oh. it's the best quote ever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, we're, we're working on it. I have uh, I have this this fear with with Joey Gatewood, the, the Auburn quarterback who, who transferred to Kentucky. Um, you know, he applied for for a waiver to get immediate eligibility. And, and my original fear was that the NCAA was going to vote on allowing all transfers to have immediate eligibility and pass it, but that it wouldn't start until next school year, and that Gatewood would kind of be stuck sitting out a year because of when he transferred. He'd kind of be the guy in limbo. Is my fear justified, or can you give us the latest on his situation? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I really can't give you an update on that because I'm, I'm just holding uh, like the rest of us. So I think it'd be very unfair uh, for Joey not to be able to play this year. Um, but uh, we'll see, you know, so we're waiting uh, to hear back, um, you know, on that. I know, you know, I think there's quite a few issues going on in the NCAA, but that's not a good reason to put a guy like Joey Gatewood on hold. You know, his his future, his career is, is very important. And, um, you know, we, we do, you know, think he should be eligible to play this year, but we'll wait and see and uh, wait to hear back and see what the NCAA says. So, Coach, his competition, uh, you know, we're big fans of, as we call him, neighbor Terry Wilson. I imagine he's especially frustrated with all this because he wants to get back on the field after, you know, going down early in the year last year against Eastern Michigan. How's he progressed through all of this? Yeah, Terry's doing a really good job. Um, you know, he still has some work to do, just some, you know, with rebuilding that quad and getting his quad back up to full strength. That's the the, the one issue with the, his injury is just making sure before he returns to play that he has full strength in his quad. Uh, but he is throwing and moving moving around pretty good and, and progressing quite well, and we expect him to have a full recovery. The guy who played quarterback for you this past year, Lynn Bowden. Uh, Marler was super high on him entering last season, and we just we both just absolutely loved watching what he did for you guys. This, this episode is actually going to air on Friday, so essentially this is going to be during the NFL draft. I imagine you've already had these conversations with a lot of NFL teams, and especially with all these teams unable to travel, so they're calling you to be able to get your, you know, your opinion on all this. Pretend that I am a front office and I say to you, Mark, how should I use Lynn Bowden in my offense? What is your advice? Well, I think that that's up to each, each franchise. I mean, obviously they know what they're doing and what they're looking for. Uh, but I do hope he goes somebody, goes to some team and, and somebody that really wants to util, utilize his talents and be creative because uh, he can do a lot of things. That's for sure. And, um, you know, you, even with us, it took us till what game four, game five of his junior year, true junior year, but his third year there. And, uh, you know, you, you know, when we put him behind center and, and we, we were, we were kind of amazed at the things he could handle, uh, what he can do, uh, how intelligent he is. So, uh, he's capable of doing a lot of things. He just needs that opportunity. So hopefully he's going to go somewhere. Where, where they utilize that. He could punt return. He could kick return. He could definitely take some direct snaps at quarterback and be creative in that area. And, he, and he's bright enough to pick up all positions at the wide receiver position. So uh, the kid can do a lot of things, um, you know, and he can handle it mentally is the great thing about him. You've already addressed the the Florida State situation, and I know that that's that's in the past. I, I think mm. I think though at the same time, it's incredible to look back on how much the that things have really changed in the last six years. I mean, in 2013, you were part of a team at Kentucky that didn't win an SEC game, and Florida State was off recording one of the best seasons in college football history. Florida State comes calling at the end of the 2019 season, and you're like, no, I I like what I have here at Kentucky, and I, I love what I've been able to build. Tell our, our listeners just kind of what went into all of that and how amazing that is to kind of look back on how much you've really been able to build this program in the last six years. Well, I am. I'm very proud of the work that, that we've done here. It, and uh, it's been a lot of work day in and day out. 
And, um, you know, we're still building. We're still not where we want to be. We want to compete for championships. When I, when I said that, when I walked in the door, literally, uh, people laughed at me like, like, like it was a joke. And, um, that's not true. You know, we, we did have a game, you know, uh, past couple of years that meant an awful lot, you know, and, and two years ago we played for a game, you know, came down to one game playoff with us in Georgia. The winner goes to the SEC East championship and, and we didn't get it done. You know, last year we were in a rebuilding mode and, and still had the opportunity to come back and, and win eight. Um, I feel like we have a, a very good team that we're going to be able to compete the next couple of years. Um, you know, we know the league that we're in. It's, uh, it's unbelievably challenging, but that's what makes it fun. That's what gets you up every day and motivates you uh, to go to work and to continue to build. And if you can build a program in the SEC, you can do it anywhere. And uh, so I'm very proud of the work that we're doing here and um, can't wait to get back at it. You know, that we're doing the best we can uh, during this, this time right now where it's kind of at a standstill and that kind of drives you crazy because, uh, you know, we're, we're as coaches, you know, we're kind of built to try to find an advantage, try to find a way to, to get up and outwork your opponent every day. And it's very difficult right now, but, um, but I do like where we're at. I love this place. I've been given unbelievable support and, uh, Again, the league that we're in makes it very difficult to leap. So, at, just like last year, Coach, I'm I'm out of serious questions pretty pretty early on. Um, so just <laughs> the good stuff. We've we've made several like an unhealthy amount of power rankings this off season for which SEC coaches um, would do this or that. And one of my favorite ones, uh, our good friend Peter Burns and I did was. Which SEC coaches you'd most want to take on a guy's trip to Vegas? And you were ranked very high on this one. So I want to know where you think you should rank on this, and also what's your favorite game in Vegas? Well, that, that's a good question. That's probably a wise choice to go with me to Vegas. I, I do uh, like to play a little blackjack, and I do have some pretty strong contacts out there in Vegas. So uh, there we go. I, I do like to play a little bit. So I'm definitely a blackjack guy. And, uh, and like to play a few hands, but uh, we would definitely have some fun. I think Peter knows that. He's He's been around me a little bit. <laughs> Peter had you high on that list. He definitely did. Marlon, yeah. did, did, he have him, did he have Stoops in the top three? I think we I think we both had him in the top three. Because I, I didn't know that you actually enjoyed going to Vegas. And, I like, you know, besides college football and, like I said, Thanksgiving, craps is probably my favorite thing in the world. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't. I grew up playing a little craps back in Youngstown. You know, everybody they had those little side games. You know, but I don't play too much craps anymore. It's <laughs> a different kind of game, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's different. So everybody is asking college football coaches what they think about the start of the season, and nobody really knows. So instead, I'll ask. I'll phrase it this way. There are three big things that are happening in the state of Kentucky on Labor Day weekend. You know two of them, Kentucky Derby, and then we've got your opener against Eastern Michigan. Also, by the way, my brother is getting married in Lexington on that Sunday. Oh, oh, um, so, oh, wow. yeah, I know. Yeah, very, it's, it's a little bit touch and go right now. Um, yeah. Are you assuming that all of those things are still on, or do you guys have a contingency plan in place already? Well, no, we do not have a contingency plan uh, at this point. I think um, 
well, I know we're having discussions about that, but we have great leadership both in our university and in the SEC. So uh, I know they'll they'll come to the right answer. I think a lot of that is still up in the air right now. The only thing I can do is continue to prepare and prepare this staff and this team to be ready to go on on the fifth, and um, hopefully that'll happen. But if it doesn't, we'll we'll adjust and adapt and overcome and uh, make it work, whatever whatever the situation is. Coach, let me start by saying thank you already for I, I know how ridiculous some of these questions are, but I have to go through with it anyway. Last year, we we talked about Gronk being one of the one of your players when you're out in Arizona. And you said you had some stories that you could not share this on the air. And I'm assuming that still stands. So in Absolutely. lieu of any of the Gronk stories, um, fun fact, he's now a WWE champion. So, so my question is, if Coach Stoops has to form a tag team wrestling duo with you and one of your former players, who are you taking to help you win the title? Uh, uh, well, the Gronk, I mean, he's a champ already, so definitely uh, go with the Gronk. But I... From here, from Kentucky, Cash Daniel. I think Cash would mm-hmm. definitely be uh, – he'd, he'd be ready to go. Yeah, Cash would be a destroyer. We have no doubt about that. We, I remember having him on back in – yeah, I think we had him on back in August. And he, he was very ready to go for, I think, oh, yeah. roughly half a dozen WWE-related yeah. questions. So Cash yeah. in the yeah. bank? I mean, that's perfect. Ooh, there we go. There we go. I like yeah. that. Speaking, speaking of that – um, I imagine that Bo Pelini coming back to the SEC is, is kind of bittersweet for you because Kentucky, you know, you guys had that matchup set up with Youngstown State in a couple of years. Now that he's at LSU, yeah. who knows how long that's going to take with SEC scheduling and all that for you guys to be able to, to face off again. What was your reaction to, to finding out that he had accepted the defensive coordinator position at LSU? Well, I was very happy for him. Uh, definitely uh, does not surprise me that the, uh, opportunity like that would pop up and um you know Bo was a a great fit the first go around there and I think uh you know he really liked the people the people liked him and he did very good with the players and was very successful so it does not surprise me um I'm just happy for him and and his family and and finding the right opportunity I think it comes at the right time he had a he had a chance to to go back to Youngstown try to help you know, rebuild Youngstown State, but also have a chance to, to raise his kids and put them through our high school, um, you know, which I know he's very fond of that. And, um, so I think it's right timing, right place, and he'll do a great job. Coach, we're going we're gonna to get you out of here with uh, more ridiculousness here on the two-minute drill. It's a rapid-fire question and answer game. You just say the first thing that comes to mind. You killed it last year. The only only question you got, quote-unquote, wrong was that you didn't like The Office or you hadn't watched The Office yet. So we left yeah. that off the table this year. We've got 12 questions for you. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, first question. Uh, if you had to be quarantined with another SEC coach, who would you choose? Uh tie between uh, Derek Mason and Kirby Smart. Okay, I like that. Um, least favorite NFL draft or NFL combine cliche? Uh, I don't know. They're, everybody's all obsessed with the numbers. I mean, I don't think they watch the film enough. Okay, I like that. Um, 
Next question, first place besides work, you're going to when the quarantine is over? Golf course. Nice. There we go. Nice. Um, I, I almost feel bad for even asking this one, but I, but I got to know. Fourth and one, game on the line. Who gets the ball, Benny Snell or Lynn Bowden? Ooh. Tough call there. Pick right? the poison, either or. Okay. That's fair. I'm going Benny. I'm going there. Benny, I think, in that I, spot. I, I, it's pretty hard not to. Pretty hard, you know how you know how how I love uh, Lynn, but uh, but it's pretty stop pretty hard to stop Be- uh, Benny. That's for sure. He had, uh, you know, that's that's his cup of tea right there. Fourth and one. That's true. Um, first, or I'm sorry, favorite type of Girl Scout cookie. No clue. Oh, coach, you're missing Dang. out. The only well, one you know, I know we're, is we're the peppermint. The pepper. The only ones I know are the peppermint. But I, I really don't like peppermint, so I, I, I'll just say that's the only cookie I know they have. Okay, all right, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, I just bought a grill. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. What's your favorite thing to grill? Steak. Okay. Um, I feel like I, could could Lynn Bowden start for Kentucky basketball? I doubt that. They're pretty darn okay. good. He said he could. He could play. He, he said he, he could play. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I learned a long time ago just not to doubt anything he says or does. So that's, um, that's true. That's true. Oh, we got we got three questions left. Uh, in in honor of the Michael Jordan doc that aired last night, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Okay. Um, what is your go-to karaoke song? Um. Shit. I'm on. I'm on a highway to hell. Oh, good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, ACDC. What was Cash yeah. so much into last year, uh, Connor? Cash was um, Cash Black was like Iron. Oh, Black. I was gonna say Iron Maiden. It yeah. was something. Yeah, very, yeah. very much hard rock for sure. All yeah. right, last question, but not least. You answered this last year, and it was it was pretty awesome. It gave us both goosebumps. We're ready to run through a wall. One word to describe Kentucky football in 2020. What is it? Tough. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Let me add this up, Coach. That is uh, that is 69 points. That is a new high score. You killed it once again. <laughs> All right, guys. It's always a pleasure. You guys keep me busy during this quarantine or what? No, this is pretty much the only thing I've done in like the last month. I, basically yeah no that's this that's is tiger it. king that's it um coach we we appreciate the time there um you get we're gonna we're gonna have to get you back on sometime soon though for sure you got it guys always a pleasure and uh hopefully you guys uh, stay safe and your family stay safe and uh, hopefully maybe the next time we talk we'll be uh get back to normal to, to some extent yep that's that's yes, all sir. we can ask for, and and if not, we'll uh, we'll I'll send you a text too about the the bank and all that stuff, and I'll I'll loop Bo in as well, and yeah. we'll uh, we'll kind of move Definitely. forward from there. Sound good? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Make sure. All right. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk your, soon. Hey, hey, get your finances in order because when we open this bank, I expect you to put your money in there. You got me? <laughs> I would right. do nothing else for the rest of my life than put put my money in your bank for sure. All right. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. 
All right, we have the second edition of Stump Marler, the SEC trivia game that everybody is talking about. Can't get enough of, in fact, some would say. We've got our good buddy, Jay Woody, on the line. Jay, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Fantastic. It's going well. Cannot complain. Our goal today, since you know, we, we wanted to start off Marler a little bit on the easier side last week, because if let's be honest, if we do this and he just looks like you know he doesn't know anything out of the gate, you know it's a little bit tougher. Like when they did stump the Schwab, they couldn't just have everybody stump the Schwab on the first episode. Nobody watches that show after that. They had to kind of ease him into it. So we're doing the same thing with Marler. So today we're gonna get a little bit tougher. Marler, that's your warning. Are they basketball questions? Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, if they're, unless they're basketball questions, y'all are not going to beat me at this game. Or no, I mean, this is this is my this is my. Well, niche. then that's what we will do. That's that. That will be the next okay. thing. <laughs> basketball questions. Then I can promise you. Okay, good, <laughs> perfect. Yes. Antonio McDice, yes. final answer. <laughs> All right, let's. Let's start. We're going to start with we have our three questions that don't necessarily need to be answered in a specific amount of time, but like, let's be honest, don't don't make us wait forever. So, Marler, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number one. Since 1985, the SEC has produced eight Heisman Trophy winners. How many can you name in a minute? And I will give you three bonus points if you can also give me the years in which they won. Ready? Go. Longer than a minute, but 85, Bo Jackson, uh, 2007, Tim Tebow, 2009, Mark Ingram, 2010, Cam Newton, 2012, Johnny Manziel. That's five. You said there were eight? That is, that is 20, five. You have three to go. 2015, Derrick Henry, um, 2019, Joe Burrow. Should have been Tua. Oh. Yeah. That's seven? <laughs> Who? Wait. You have one more. That is. You're missing one. From 85. Here, Marler, I'll give you one hint. It is in between 85 and 2007. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is going to bother. Oh, Danny Werfel, 96. There you go. All right. That was pretty good. Oh, and I get bonus points, too, for all all the years. Let's do this. Yeah, you got the bonus points, too. You do. You do, indeed. You do. Off to a strong start. Okay, question number two. In 1994, Kyle running back and former Chicago Bear great, the late Rashawn Salam, won the Heisman Trophy. Only one SEC player finished in the top five of the Heisman voting that year. Who was he and what school did he attend? Step your game up. I named my dog after him. Jay Barker. He finished fifth. <laughs> All right, Jay, that he was... He had like 14 total touchdown passes or something. It was that was terrible. a soft I don't know how he finished. That, that was, was a softball. Awesome. That was also a fantastic Heisman uh, Heisman finalist group because that was like Warren Sapp, Steve McNair. That was a fun one. Okay. Well, now that <laughs> we just got dunked on there, Jay. Uh, all right. Question number three. The final me. question. Yeah. The, fi- the final question of this round. Jay Barker came in fifth in the Heisman voting that year, as you just mentioned. However, since 1985, there have been seven instances of an SEC player almost winning the Heisman but coming up just Short. Can you name at least five of the SEC players that came in second and the years that they did so? Three bonus points if you can name all seven. You have one minute. Go. <sighs> came in second. Uh, Heath Schuler, 93. David Palmer actually finished third that year, so they had uh, SEC had two of the top three uh, finalists. Um, let's see. Peyton Manning was second in 97. 
Grossman was second in 2001. Uh, McCarran somehow was second in 2013. So that's four. Tua, he lost to Kyler. So that's five. That's five. How many more? You said there's there's seven. There's yeah, seven, seven total. All right, but I got the five. That was the main point, right? So this is bonus from here on out. Um, yep, okay, yep, let me yep. think here. Let me think. It's all just showing off how smart you are. Yeah, that's what I do best. Uh, oh, 2006 and seven, Darren McFadden. God right. dang it, I'm good at this game. There you Jeez. are. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to buy uh, – Jay, Jay, I'm going to turn it over to you because Marler just completely crushed that, and I, I'm embarrassed. So you take it away with the lightning round. Heisman, the Heisman stuff is the easiest right, to guys. Guess. That... I have to admit here, guys, I need some help, clearly, because I have I thought I had good questions for two weeks in a row, and he just absolutely <laughs> killed me. They, they are so good questions. I got I'm two or three really folks smart. to reply. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just super intelligent. I got two or three people that responded last week, but you guys go ahead and uh, email me with some good questions, and let's see what we can get. I'm going to quote two of them down here at the bottom. So here we go, lightning round. You ready? Yep. SEC has seven permanent cross matchups in football. In other words, East versus West. As I name each SEC West school, name their permanent cross-divisional matchup in the East. Alabama. Okay. Tennessee. 13 in a row. Arkansas. Ouch. Oh, it used to be Tennessee. It's, uh... Oh, it's Missouri now. It is Missouri. Auburn. Uh, they had to play Georgia, and they cried about it being too late in the season, so now they moved it that game to October. There you go. <laughs> LSU. I love the Florida. little things that we're adding to it also. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State. Uh, pa- pass and go to the other ones. Hold on. Mississippi State. <laughs> pass for now. Old Miss. Vandy. <laughs> <laughs> Texas A&M. Uh, South Carolina, because they play the trophy. They play that trophy game for it. So, there, uh, so there's only one oh, so then, team missing. So Mississippi State plays Kentucky, I guess, every year. I didn't know that was every year. I thought that was like it their – there you go. Nope, that is their, their permanent uh, cross-rival. All right, last season the SEC went 8-2 and two in the postseason. Who were the two losing, losing teams and what bowls did they play in? Oh, this is a good one. I like this one. Let's start with Auburn. Uh, <laughs> they lost <laughs> – um, great way to start the new year. And they also have Minnesota in the Outback Bowl. Um, there you go. That's one. Who else lost? Let me think here. There were 10 bowl teams. Bama didn't lose. Florida didn't lose. Georgia didn't lose. LSU definitely didn't lose. Uh, Arkansas didn't lose because they didn't play. Oh, Mississippi State. <laughs> they gave up like 1,000 yards to uh, Louisville in the Music City Bowl. They did. Dude, I thought I had you on that one. I knew you were going to go Texas A&M. I thought you were going to go Texas A&M. No, I, so right. I thought they – right, that get, was like up there because I thought they, they were pretty close to losing. And Mon played like crap in that – was it NC State? Oklahoma State. State. Oklahoma yeah, State. In the, in the Texas Bowl. Oklahoma State. Yep, yep. All right. <laughs> and then Wait, Tennessee won by That's one. It? I thought you were going to guess one of those two. No, shut up and listen, man. Uh, no, I knew Tennessee didn't lose because their fans Alabama. have been uh, out of control all offseason. <laughs> in 92, Alabama only trailed once in the fourth quarter of the entire season, and it was to an SEC team. Who was the only team to lead them in the fourth quarter that year? 
This is you guys are terrible at this. It's Mississippi State. Antonio Langham blocked a punt, ran it back for a touchdown. They won thirty nine to twenty eight. I got it on BHS, y'all. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, dude. <laughs> guys, I need some help. Please give me some better questions. Okay, so man. I will say right, this. So, those so, those so, are pretty those are pretty good. But, but, but like to be fair, and the Bama stuff I kinda I, just just to nerd out on, I kinda only thrive in because remember I always tell that story on here. But we didn't have movies at my dad's house. He had VHS tapes where he recorded Bama games. So And you just watch, watch them over and over and over again. Exactly. It was like my Mrs. Doubtfire. All right. So since 2009, um, Alabama, Auburn, or LSU has won the SEC every single year except for one. Who was the lone Eastern team in that time period to win the SEC? The SC, like the SEC, a, to win the whole SEC or the SEC yeah. East? To win the whole SEC. Uh, oh, it was, it was Georgia. 2017, it's the game that made the Iron Bowl not matter and then, and then got Bama into the playoff. <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible. This is fun. That is, that is indeed the one. <laughs> um, all right, so in that same year, 2017, Georgia did something it's only done five times in Georgia history. And the hint is it involves Auburn, Florida, Georgia Tech, and Tennessee. This is just a bonus question, just to see how much you know. Okay, so I I know this because I made fun of it so many times when it happened because because Georgia this Georgia fans pretending like Georgia Tech is an actual rivalry game is just comical to me. They 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 beat all five. Let me say that again, all five of their rivals because most you know if they have Auburn has two mascots, Georgia has five rivals. <laughs> um, all right they also what I, year? I believe it, go ahead well, no go ahead go ahead so, uh, you, you've been digging at georgia i want you to go ahead and dig it deep that way all the fans can get on you later on go ahead did they lose to all five of those rivals in 2015 or 2016 in kirby's first year because that that was the dobnail Ooh, wow i think they lost to florida in no that, they uh, didn't lose to auburn they beat auburn that year okay and that was 2016 connor boom there you go. <laughs> Connor coming in with the SEC knowledge. We'll start, we're starting to stump O'Gara up here pretty quick. All <laughs> right, so what year was the first SEC championship game in the Nin- Georgia Dome? Okay. Uh, 1994. That's the game I, I threw. That's where I threw the tennis match to go watch uh, Florida beat Bama. 24-23 <laughs> on December 3rd, I want to say, or December 2nd, 1994. Um, wow. And... They, it was, uh, I'm trying to think. I think Doring actually caught the game when he touched on pass. But, um, yeah, 24-23, and Bama had to go play in the Citrus Bowl against Ohio State. So that was the first year they played there. How many SEC championships were played in the Georgia Dome altogether? I'm not, I was told there'd be no math. Uh, so 94 to. I was told there'd be no math. Whenever, I guess, when did they shut down the Georgia Dome? I guess they shut 20, I don't know, 20. Two twenty one. It was still twenty sixteen. So I'm going to count that as a miss. No, I didn't take it seriously. No, counting that as a miss. Okay, it's a miss. It's a miss. I'm sorry. So to be fair, like all the ones that involve my memory. Go ahead. Go ahead. All the ones that involve me. We've got a delay here, guys. Something we're good. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. All right, Jay, you go ahead. Go ahead. All right, so I got two questions from the Facebook group uh, this year, or this this time. 
Uh, Emery Picker came up with the first one that I'm going to ask you today. This was his question. It says, the hedges have been removed from Sanford Stadium one time ever in the history of the stadium. When were they removed and why? Uh, it's when Georgia Tech beat them a couple of years ago, and they ripped all of them out and put them between their teeth and walked off the field. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Emery. It was – so I don't remember the exact – time if it was before or after but i know it was the olympics and i honestly i don't remember i don't remember even why but uh we just did a, a video project on athens it's supposed to be coming out soon and i, I remember reading a quote from vince Lee about it but yeah they it was it was for the 96 olympics because they played um the soccer i think they played the gold medal game there um for soccer in the 96 olympics so God, as much as uh, soccer players fake injuries, can you imagine if one of them accidentally ran into the hedges or something like that? How horrible would that be? That's a good point. <laughs> be like a hospitalization. All right, and then Reed Cousins in the Facebook group also came up with one. This was his question. Uh, you know, the SEC has a lot of former members, so like Swanee, those kind of schools, you know, that used to be in the SEC a long, long time ago. So his question is, two former members of the SEC have won the SEC championship. Who were they? And then take a stab at how many they won. Oh, I know Georgia Tech. That's definitely one of them. Um, it is. It's, other one's got to be Swanee or or Tulane, I guess. I don't. I'm I'm gonna say. Uh, well, I, you, if it's you said Swanee, so it wouldn't be. You probably wouldn't give me the answer. Um, I'll say. Or would I just to throw you off? I Are you sure? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I don't know okay. how many they won though. It is Georgia Tech and Tulane, and Georgia Tech has won five, and Tulane has won three. So, dude, oh, that okay. is, did you miss any of mine? Yeah, you missed the 23 because you just guessed 21 or 22. You didn't take it seriously enough. Um, That's still not bad. And, dude, that is 96. That's 96 because you got two of the three plus threes for knowing all the years. That's 96 out of 100, man. That's, yeah, pretty, I'm pretty, pretty good with that. All right, guys, here's the deal, man. I, clearly, I need some help with this. I think I've got hard questions every time, and he is just absolutely killing me. So we came up with an email address called stumpmarler at gmail.com. There's a post about it in the Facebook group. I need you guys to give me some answers. Uh, last week, I think we had, let's see, Mickey, Shermie, Emery, Picker, and Reed Cousins all uh, gave me some, but I need more than that. Oh, and then, uh, you know what, guys, I didn't give him credit at the start. Cam Cameron is the one who uh, came out, I'm sorry, Cameron Camp, I guess is what I always call him, Cam Cameron. Um, Cameron Camp is the one who came up with all the Heisman stuff there at the start, and I think John W. Peterson helped out with it also as well. So um, you guys give me some stuff. I can shout your name out on the air, uh, and if you actually can make stump, Chris, because apparently we can't do it, then I will give you the promise of a non-existent sticker. So I will promise to not mail yeah. you a sticker out just like Chris does. <laughs> yeah. there you have it. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Well, Jay, that was that was great stuff. We're, we're gonna have better luck next week. I think we'll we'll be able to we'll be able to stump him very very soon. Do you wanna do you wanna um, redeem yourself after last week messing up the sign off tagline? Can you do it this week? I do not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it again. Once you mess it up, you never do it again. At this point, man. That's, uh, that's let me come true. up with a that's different one. Uh, the the more the more it means is the SEC, and we love it. There you go. That's the one for nailed it. That's it. Beautiful. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> See you. See you man. Man.